1: and ready to go hot Mike with Hutton with row underway on the thursday edition glad you're with us either on youtube if you're watching live there through the outkick channel or listening to this great radio partner we say hello hope you'll subscribe to the channel if you're there and if not you can always check it out on demand clips live shows and uh, on demand shows as well for all of the great programs across the network Big show plan. Trey Wallace joins us on a busy news day. That's coming up in 20 minutes. A lot to discuss on college football and Colorado, Pac-12, Big 12, all of that. Armando Salguero, also of Outkick.com, coming up in hour number two. Jalen Ramsey is carted off today on day two of practice for the Miami Dolphins, and Aaron Rodgers is taking a, a, a pay cut. We'll dive into the details in a moment. Plus, you've got Herbert, and then Burrow is next for the highest paid player in NFL history. Armando will bring it in about an hour and a half from now. And then A.J. Perez, a front office sports, a friend of the show, who had the, the report yesterday as we were wrapping up things and there was just rapid-fire headlines in college football chat uh, of the allegations against P.J. Fleck and the Minnesota football program uh, for uh, a toxic culture, uh, specifically – Exercise for punishment, among other things. Fleck went off today on that report. AJ joins us with the very latest from Big Ten Media Days later in the show. Good afternoon.
0: Hudden, before we go scorched earth, um, a little personal experience today. Cars. Cars are something that we take for granted when they do what they're supposed to do, which is get us from A to B yes. without any problems. And the moment they stop doing that, it's a huge headache. That has been my entire day up to you this point. You seem very...
1: Chill and relax, though, considering the text that you sent this morning, which well, was. Well,
0: I've gone from my you know, car
1: is going to be. You I, know,
0: I've, I've really hit all the peaks and valleys on this thing because yesterday morning I'm driving down the road and I see a cylindrical object in the middle of the road, metal, looks no, no. like it fell off a semi or something, right in the middle of the road. I was forced with a decision: cut left and hit oncoming traffic, cut right risk hitting the tire on this object and blowing my tire or just blowing straight through that bad boy. And I blew straight through it. And I drug this thing for about 30 yards, sparking behind me, ended up backing up in reverse, left the cylindrical object on the side of the road. No leaking, nothing I could see. Car drove fine. Drove here to work yesterday fine. Drove home last night fine. Get in the car this morning. I get the check engine light, the coolant, engine about to overheat. That's when I realized that I'd done something very bad to the undercarriage of my vehicle. <laughs> and I uh, spent the rest of the morning waiting on a tow truck to come to my house. Which
1: is never uh, it's such an e- uneasy feeling. Well, you don't know when they're arriving.
0: The uneasy feeling was that the engine started going up a hill and my neighborhood started to die. And trying to turn that bad boy around and coast <laughs> down the hill and through a like roundabout a in my neighborhood up another hill into my driveway. To make sure my car could be in my driveway, that was quite the hassle. Also, but Hutton, look, this show isn't about me; it's about the people. Okay, we've got headlines right. to get to. I just want to say that I'm here and uh, I'm thrilled to be here in a loner vehicle. Chad's back. I'm back, baby.
1: We're back with the headlines right now uh, on this Thursday, which is jam packed here. I mean, you can find these stories uh, at OutKick.com. Colorado set to to join the Big Twelve in 2024. Uh, the Buffs are, are headed back to the conference where they once were. The Pac-12 is left scrambling, and so are the, the schools and programs involved with the Pac-12 currently. Colorado, and the uh, Big 12 presidents and chancellors, they met unanimous vote yesterday evening to to accept Colorado as a member of the conference starting in 24. Colorado, they have not formally applied to join the Big 12 but that vote is going to happen with the Board of Regents coming up in about an hour, I believe, is where that, when that meeting is supposed to take place, and it's a foregone conclusion at this point. It is Colorado seeing the horizon and guaranteeing stability moving forward because the Big 12 is going to be around. I have no clue about the Pac-12, Chad, and you know the reports surfacing that member schools were hearing about the numbers for a new media deal within the, the conference. But Klyavikov hasn't produced those numbers. And Colorado, the Big 12 got together. They've been talking. And now we wait on team number two. But right now, prime time's headed to the Big 12. And that is another great move for Brett Yormark.
0: You want to talk about peaks and valleys? I think it was just a week ago that George Klyavikov was at his media days and was asked questions about Hey, everybody thought this conference, there was doom and gloom and wasn't going to happen. And it was all happy talk. And we're on the precipice of this huge media deal that's right in line with ACC and Big 12 and everyone else. And I remember him, even one quote I read was something about, yeah, you know, we decided to take the high road. That's the better way to go at times. And everyone was writing about our demise. We took the high road and look at us now. We're stronger together than ever we have continuity, no one's straying, no one's looking around. And fast forward one week, and the Colorado Buffaloes leaving that conference, once again, the headline is the Pac-12 is dead. And if not dead, there's a, there's a, a code blue coming with that conference because no one knows what's going to happen next. What's the next shoe to fall for that conference? And this is Colorado, you know, bird in hand versus two in the bush. They're saying they've got a media deal. They've got a commissioner that we like and trust, and then Brett Yormark, big win for him. And we like this conference better and the future of this conference better than the one we're in currently. And, oh, by the way, we can't get a solid answer on what this media deal is and how much money it's going to be for the conferences. So instead of waiting around, we're out. Who's the next now? Who's the next school to pull the trigger on this? Yeah,
1: And we'll dive in on those options later in the show. other thing to consider is... Deion Sanders is now going to recruit Texas. He's going, I and mean, he already has been. He's already recruiting Florida. But now, the conference that they're joining a year from now, what, Big 12 now has three schools based on additions. Uh, even with Texas and Oklahoma leaving, they, they can say, hey, come to Colorado. We're going to come back to your home state once or twice a year, guaranteed. Same with UCF, who's joining uh, in Florida, where primetime has a ton of connections with the state and the talent there. It's, an intriguing move for a program that was once an afterthought. And now they're the center of
0: attention. Well, I think just those Texas schools alone, Colorado versus Baylor, Colorado, Houston, Colorado, Texas Tech, Colorado, Oklahoma State. Some of these games with Deion Sanders as the head coach. Deion Sanders versus Gundy. Now in (laughs) conference, right? I mean, I immediately started thinking about, think about conference matchups and how much more appealing it is to think about Deion Sanders in Colorado taking on Texas Tech. As opposed to Deion Sanders in Colorado taking on Oregon State. Right. So, look, it, it makes, it's always made sense. It was a weird fit when Colorado and Utah joined the Pac-12 for both of those programs. This is the one that makes sense for Colorado. Even if there wasn't uncertainty around media deals... For the Pac-12, this still would have made sense for Colorado because I don't think they ever should have left. The Angels
1: aren't going to trade away Shohei Otani. That's according to uh, the most recent report uh, where the Angels are looking at this thinking they're four games out. Mike Trout is scheduled to return to the lineup in mid-August, coming back from that wrist issue. And... Chad, this is either the biggest bluff to drive up prices or this is also just the, oh, we're in the playoff race excuse. They're going to add that into the mix for fans that want to come see Shohei Otani finish out the season with butts in seats in the stadium and as he ch- chases Judge's AL home run record. It's, what, it, it's either they legitimately buy into the fact that they have a chance to bring him back. Because otherwise, I don't know why you go ahead and get this out there on uh, the 27th of July with the, uh, the deadline at August 1st. I know they're, they're talking to... They've acquired other players. They think Trout's coming back on time. But here's Otani, the, the best player in the world, and will drive a market of upwards of $600 million, according to reports. And it doesn't feel like he's staying with the Angels. He's going to have all suitors. And... Right now, the Angels would have all suitors to acquire him, they're and turning an- that option away.
0: The Angels went from selling Otani and trying to get a haul of prospects or draft picks or, or a combination of both to, at the same time, they're they're working out the biggest trade so far to land Lucas Giolito from from the White Sox as a starting pitcher. So they go from sellers to buyers, but seemingly in an instant, we're going to keep Otani. They're four and a half games out of the third wild card spot in the AL. If the Angels do not reach the playoffs, this is not hyperbole. This is one of the dumbest moves in the history of sport, to continue to stick this out with two guys who are superstars, but you have shown as an organization with those two superstars, you can't even get to the playoffs. Now, we can talk about what a first-round playoff exit would mean for the Angels if that day comes, but if this team... Gambles this way, does not get what they would have got in return, the future of their franchise with top prospects from all of baseball. The Baltimore Orioles were one team that reached out. The Baltimore Orioles have seven of the top 25 infield prospects in baseball. They don't have enough Major League Baseball spots for all of the top prospects they possess right now. They could have completely revamped their
1: entire organization. You know how they did that? With those guys. They traded away their stars. Yes. Machado and others. Absolutely. And got those prospects in return. Absolutely.
0: And now they had a chance to finally go for it. Right. Yeah. Where they could give that up and go get Otani as the team right now with the best record in in the American League. They didn't do it. But they're doing all this to what? Make the playoffs or go win a World Series? Well, but... uh, The thing is, if you get in the playoffs, you could win the World Series, right? I'm
1: trying to think of the... the But what if they don't make it? Well, then they're losing him either way. But if you think you have to prove to Otani you're trying to win because that's something he said publicly at the All-Star break, then you have to, if you want even an opportunity to keep him, you have to go for it in this way and spin it this way, being four games out of that third and final wild card spot. Again, I don't, it, what we've seen tells us they're not making the postseason. But they, if they think they have a, a glimmer of hope to keep him, this is the way to go about it.
0: If they don't make the playoffs and they don't sign Otani after this season, this will be looked back on as one of the worst tenures and decisions in the history of pro sports. We will look back and say two surefire Hall of Famers in Trout and Otani never made the playoffs together. And they went for it in the final year, four and a half games out of a playoff spot and did not even make the playoffs. Now, once they get to the playoffs, anything could happen. But they better get there. At least one of the two needs to happen. Either get to the playoffs or resign Otani. If neither happens, man, oh man, do the Angels look really dumb. And in the meantime, really dumb.
1: if he goes for the judge record, they're in the mix. That would correlate and, and translate, too. Chad, Aaron Rodgers taking a $35 million pay cut in a – restructuring a new contract for him in New York. When it, the jets made this trade based on the money that was allocated in the contract, they acquired, if it was going to be a one and done type season for Rogers, it was going to have to be reworked. And he was scheduled to make $107 million next year on what was a $110 million contract that was remaining on the contract that green Bay had left on originally a four-year deal. Right. Right now, technically, uh, it's a five-year contract with a couple of option years, uh, the voidable years, if so. It's technically a two-year, $75 million deal. And th- he has a $35 million bank deposit that's coming his way this week based on this. $35 million roster bonus. His salary this year is going to be $1.8 million. Next year's salary is thirty-eight point two. But he takes this and then explains to reporters he did it because this is more than just a one-time, one-year in New York trying to win a Super Bowl. He wants to give the team money to work with both this year and next year, and the cap's going up next year. So that's when they take the brunt of the money uh, from the Jets' front office perspective. And from my perspective, I'm looking at this not just he's taking the cut, which we've never seen this amount before. Chad, he's he's, uh, optically, he's already the leader of that locker room. But when you have the superstar status of Rodgers and a young team that's looking up to him to be the reason why they're winning a Super Bowl, not just talking about one in October, this goes a long way in doing everything possible to where now the guys say, yeah, we absolutely 100% trust this guy. He's in it with us.
0: He is the king of New York, and this is just another reminder that Aaron Rodgers is a very smart dude. He knows how to play things. He knows how to work things psychologically. What a diss to the Packers organization uh, that ever since they crossed him, he never would have considered doing something like this to help them out. But now in year one, with a chance to rejuvenate his career and a chance to win a second Super Bowl, suddenly he's Mr. Team. He is the guy, the man of the people. He is sacrificing his own salary in order for the team to get better and go at a, a Super Bowl. So, brilliant move for Aaron Rodgers to endear himself, not just to Jets fans, but to that entire locker room. Oh, by the way, Shohei Otani currently pitching a one-hitter right now. They lead 6-0 in the eighth inning. He's got a one-hitter going going for a complete game the next day after they decide to keep him. So, maybe they're three games out after today. Yeah, maybe a little bit of little bit of a motivation of, hey, this team really is serious about winning now.
1: Chad, uh, later in the show, it, Rogers took a pay cut. Mbappe's doing that too. He's turning down the, the option to even meet with the Saudis about taking the $1.1 billion offer where $776 million would have been in his bank account after one year. And instead, he's opening himself up to more of what is a free agent acquisition for Real Madrid, Manchester United, and others who are going to be after him. But he follows the messy path. He's not taking the boatload of money, which would have paid him upwards of $52 million a month. And instead, he's going to continue to take calls and figure out where he really wants to play. Details coming up. Trey Wallace joins us next on College Football.
2: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA AM member FDIC. A
1: lot to discuss across college football. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow rolls on across the Outkick Network. Trey Wallace joins us. We'll from have to tell the story of how com. we almost
0: had Julia Roberts on the show at some point. <laughs> or, or, yeah, uh, or was out. about to be a guest in the show, but. I, I it was a text
1: me. that didn't go through. Trey's thinking that we, you know we just turned her away because she walked by here. Be- because
0: the text did hey, not Julia. go through where I was, really confused our, our crew on the, who I was requesting uh, to join the show. Yeah, yeah it was, uh, So y'all almost, y'all almost had Julia Roberts. Why yeah, didn't you just yeah, book sure. me? Goodness sure. gracious! Yeah, we almost had Julia Roberts. Yep, that, that's the story we're going with. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I love. Yep.
2: I love Notting Hill. Good movie.
1: Trey, we've got so. <laughs> So the Big Twelve in Colorado, the future of the Pac-12, and what happens there. Uh, which is the uh, who's the next team that the Big Twelve would be pursuing to even things out with, you know, Oregon, uh, Arizona, Utah. And we've already known that they've reached out to UConn. That was reported back in June. What do you make of all of this and the timing for the the Pac-12 presidents, the Pac-12 uh, decision makers? waiting on the, the conference and leadership to just show them the numbers of what has been put out there as, hey, we're going to be on par with our new media deal with the Big 12 of the ACC. That's been said, but there's been no details behind it, and Colorado chooses to leave.
2: Jonathan, I think it comes down to it, It's Colorado just, just finally called their bluff. I mean, guys, we've been talking about for a year now that we're waiting on this PAC-12 media deal. They're going to get it figured out. Um, George Killikoff is going to make this announcement. But the biggest thing is, you know, we, we kept hearing from presidents and chancellors from other schools saying, it's imminent. It's coming. We hope to announce within the next three weeks. You know, that was something that went down a month and a half ago. You know, and then we get to PAC-12 media days last Friday. Yeah, last Friday, and, you know, it, it's a one-day event. You got him sitting up there, and he's talking about how all the teams are working together in regards to the future, and they're sticking together. And then not three days later, Colorado is making a move to the to the Big 12, which, you know, tells me, and in, in talking with folks now about all this, is that, you know, Colorado's intentions were to, to get to the Big 12 um, and get out of the Pac-12. And, and, and look, when, you, when you're when you sitting there at a time where there's instability, and there is so much instability in the Pac-12 right now, um, with USC and UCLA being their last season in the conference, they're going to move on. Okay, so what does the television rights deal look like without them? Okay, now you add on to the fact that Colorado's moving on. And I want to phrase this too. Colorado's not some kind of world beater in football. They've got a coach now that has drawn life to Boulder, and it makes them a team that you want to watch. You know, it's not like their basketball program is, you know, top-notch every year. You know, other sports, okay, that's fine. But I think overall right now, the Big 12 adding a team like Colorado is is the next domino that falls because there's going to be more. You know, the Big 12 is wanting to go out and find a basketball powerhouse, another basketball powerhouse to come in, hang out with Houston and, and others that have been around the program, been around the conference. So do you do you go grab UConn? You try to persuade them to come to the Big 12, and that could be your basketball side of things here, because we know football-wise, eh, is what it is. Or do you go out and you try to add Arizona? You know, because you get Arizona, you get basketball and you get football, add in some softball as well, other sports, but not to take away from that. But there's a couple different options on the table right now. And and you know, the four pillars discussion, I remember having this talk with you guys, I don't know, three or four months ago. We were talking about the four pillars. That's the two Arizona schools, Arizona, Arizona State. Um, and then do you go out and grab Utah because you've already got Colorado. So how does it play out now and, and what does the Big 12 want to do? The Pac-12 is scrambling right now. Uh, they're having a meeting that's about to start here in about five minutes with their president, CEOs, chancellors, and whatnot, trying to figure out what the next move is. Oregon's got an athletic meeting starting here in about an hour and a half uh, to discuss Dan Landing's contract, but also to discuss some things that are going on at the conference. And, you know, it's just, it's just full-blown panic, panic mode right now. And, and without a television deal for the Pac-12 guys, they just look like a dead conference walking, and there's no way to get around it anymore.
1: Why do you think the Big 12 is, is staying patient and, and not adding the second team as a part of a bundle, which we've seen in the last two years – Because if it was Arizona, it would make sense that Arizona would have been a part of this deal right now.
2: I I think it comes down to Brett Yormack wanting to – Brett the commissioner of the Big 12, has been going after Colorado now for months and months, trying to persuade them to get in. I think this was – I think this was like the first team, meaning I don't think we're going to have to wait long Mm -hmm. before a second team along with Colorado joins. I just think Colorado was – his. First goal. You know, there have been talks. Oh, he was looking at the Memphis pro basketball program and he was touring that campus, I don't know, a month and a half ago. And he's talked with other schools as well. Arizona's been in conversations with the Big 12 quietly. But I'm just saying right now, I think Brett Yormack saw Colorado. Okay, if we get Colorado, we get them nailed down, there's going to be another team that's going to join. And then you look at it overall. So you're sitting at 13 teams right now. They would like to get that number to 16, I am told. So if they can somehow get that number to 16 by the time the 2024, 2025 season of that that year starts, then that's going to add more pressure and give them a little bit more leeway with Fox and ESPN for additional revenue under that contract. So I I just I feel like this was the first step. And then not long after here, there's going to be another team that's added, maybe potentially two to three.
1: Yeah, and and I just found it interesting, Chad and, and Trey, that, that um, Pete Thamel, who broke this story, it, it was it, it was put in there. as I felt like it was his opinion, but he also threw it in towards the end of his report. Uh, in in a, it was thorough, and a write up there at ESPN. He said, "Well, they could your mark could also be waiting to see how everything shakes out with the ACC." That's intriguing because that would mean he's got a specific team that isn't looking for the SEC or the Big Ten. They're looking for a lifeboat that would also provide stability, just like Colorado received, Chad.
0: Well, it's crazy to go back now. By the way, I'm more of an Aaron Brockovich guy myself, Trey. (laughs) But going back in time, right, 25 months ago, I think that's the, the time frame when Texas and Oklahoma announced they were leaving. That is when the planet believed the Big 12 was dead. And the Pac-12 had a bit more of a position of power at that point because they weren't in the news for having their two biggest programs leave at the time. Now, later on, U- UCLA, USC, and now we're here, right? Well, the Big 12 went to the Pac-12, opened arms, and said, let's join forces. We'll be our own super conference. They rebuked them, said, nope, go back. We, we have no interest. And from that moment on, Trey, was it always inevitable that only one would survive? And that the Big 12 took it upon themselves to show everyone who was boss. And from that point on, 25 months later, the raid has begun. And now will be the Big 12 left standing and not the Pac-12. And because the Pac-12 said no to a possible super conference blending the two, now they might die.
2: So I was talking with two people inside the Big 12 this morning. And my takeaway was this, and it goes along with what you were talking about here. When they decided to get rid of the alliance or not do the alliance thing and join forces and whatnot, Big 12 made it a purpose to go out and say, okay, you guys are about to get screwed. You guys are about to lose USC and UCLA. We're about to go out here and we're gonna rage you as much as possible. Or we're going to add teams that are going to add the value to us because you decided not to. So what do they do? You go out and add UCF, Cincinnati, BYU. You're getting Houston. I'm just saying, so what they did was smart. And, and Brett Yormack, you have to remember, Brett Yormack, the commissioner, Oldsby was there before. Brett Yormack comes in now in the last year, and he decided, okay, screw it. If, if the Pac-12 wants to sit out on the West Coast, and just filter away and die with what's going on. And they can't get a television deal. And they're struggling with the teams that they have. And the teams that that are in the conference are pissed off that they're still in the conference because Oregon and Washington couldn't make that move to the Big Ten immediately. So it was a perfect opportunity for the Big 12 to go out and try try to start rating them. And they set this thing up themselves, man. The Pac-12 has been so out there when it comes to statements, when it comes to timelines, when it comes to the overall health of their conference, while the Big 12 is like, well, wait a minute. We want to be up there with the third best conference in the country. We want to be in the running with the ACC, behind the Big 10, the SEC, in terms of revenue, in terms of competition in our league, in terms of actually who we have in our league. I mean, look at the coaches in the Big 12 now. It's a nice stable. So you look at it overall, and and it was finally a moment where you said, okay, I have no sympathy for the Pac-12 anymore. We're going to go take these teams. They're going to come over here and we're going to make our conference as biggest and baddest as we can. And by the way, we've got a television deal that a new one, that's going to start in 24, 25, that sets us up for the future. And now they can even go back to them and say, Hey, you want to put in an additional two to $3 million into this. So it was the smart move, the right move. And I think the big 12 took it personally, because at the end of the day, we, looking back on it right now, that sure felt like a lifeline to the Pac-12 by saying, hey, why don't we join up, and we could be this big, bad conference. They turned them down. Big 12's like, screw you. We're going to go make ourselves better. It played out for for Brett Yormack and the Big 12, and now the Pac-12's scrambling to, become, to stay relevant. And they're not really relevant, guys. Like, it's Oregon and Washington. Let's be honest with each other here. Besides the basketball part, With Arizona and whatnot. And you could throw in Stanford if you want to. I know there's Cal, a few other teams, Oregon State, which is a name. You know, like we know Oregon State, we watch the Beavers play. But there's a lot of schools right now that are panicking, and I don't blame them one bit. And I think the leadership of George Killikoff has has turned this thing into a disaster for that conference.
1: Trey Wallace with us, outkick.com is where you can find his college football columns and reports. Um, What did you make of the Oregon discussion? Yesterday evening, uh, Jeff Schwartz and and, and others threw out the Ducks for the Big 12 with some assurance that the Big 10 is going to be there. You would think they would stay and and wait on that to happen. But if there's no assurance, Trey, if you're Oregon, what do you do? Because Oregon now is looking at Florida State and Clemson over at the ACC. And who's left that has their value? No one. They don't. You know, they're,
2: they're, I guess you could say that they are the 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 pillar now when it comes to the Pac-12. I mean, I know Washington's in there with Michael Penix Jr. this year, and I get that. Washington's right. a program that we all pay attention to. And they'll be good. But yeah. or- right. But Oregon, overall, you're sitting there and you're like, well, wait a minute. If I can figure out a way, if the Big Ten is not going to expand at the moment, and they don't feel like expanding over the next three years, and they feel fine because, in my opinion, and talking with some folks, if the Big Ten really, really wanted to, they go out and poach Oregon right now, and even Washington. But it feels like the Big Ten is pretty feeling pretty safe at the moment. They're going to get USC and UCLA in the conference. Feel kind of stable. So if Oregon, they sitting there like, oh, wait a minute, we don't we don't like this situation. We don't we, we're okay. We're number one in the conference, but look at the rest of the competition in the conference. You know, it, it, it's not really something that we can beat our chest about. Okay, well, why not go join the Big 12 and hop into that conversation? Where the Big 12 would then, you got the West Coast of the North, Northwest, you've got Florida, you got some of the East Coast in there, you got Middle America in there. Like you're hitting different points when it comes to television networks and eyeballs and whatnot. And Oregon's sitting there too, like, well, well wait a minute, we could get into a better conference when it comes to competition and also financially. Guys, we still don't know what this darn media deal is going to look like. And after talking with some folks in the PAC-12 conference over the last five or six days, they're nervous because they feel like they're going to get sit here with some, you know, offer that might be, okay, money-wise it's okay, but actually what networks are we on? That's the biggest thing. The money can be fine. But if you're put on a streaming service or you're put on the CW or whatnot along those lines, that's, that's not really viable for what you're trying to do as a powerhouse program. So I don't disagree. I, I think Jeff Schwartz and them are kind of on that right path. If Oregon wants to make a move and they can't sit around and wait for the Big Ten, why not the Big 12?
1: Trey Wallace is going to be uh, following all the news that comes out of the meetings that are happening today. Foregone conclusion that Colorado will be joining the Big 12, but what it comes of that meeting that will take place with the Pac-12. Trey, thank you as always, man, and uh, we always – Love the college football talk. We're now less than a month away from the kickoff the Fal- college football season.
2: <laughs> Fall camp starts uh, this week in y'all's town and next week all across the country. So a lot of stuff coming and be looking out uh, probably around 530 tonight. Uh, we'll have the final report on Colorado uh, joining and applying for the Big 12. So I appreciate you guys and good luck with Julia Roberts.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Trey. She left. She we appreciate got that. got tired of waiting. Yeah. We had, to, we had to move her to tomorrow, so she yeah. said, no, get back with my publicist. Maybe next year you can do it. Coming up, we'll
1: uh, – in about 25 minutes or so, there's a real-life Kenny Powers that used to be a Division One football coach, a Power Five football coach. We'll tell you who that is. And, uh, well, there's a really good football coach now for the Denver Broncos. And he went scorched earth for a second consecutive day. Today, it was about the Broncos' former head coach and the worst job ever performed by a coach in the NFL. I'm glad you're with us for Hot Mike with Hutton & Withrow. We broadcast live each and every day across the Outkick Network and live in studio. Sixth and Peabody is where we're located with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Chad, a lot to get to today. We've got Armando Salguero coming up shortly on the, the very latest across the NFL. Jalen Ramsey's injury in Miami, Aaron Rodgers taking a pay cut. Meanwhile, Burroughs about to become the highest paid player in uh, NFL history following Justin Herbert's contract. And AJ Perez from front office sports joins us. He's been at Big Ten media days. And he had the report about the toxic culture within the Minnesota football team, and specifically P.J. Fleck. And P.J. <laughs> Fleck had comments earlier today. So P.J. Fleck just flat out
0: every single offseason with players we've dismissed from this program, they go public. They go to some media outlet and try to trash us. All the ones we kicked off. Well, oh, we'll have to ask A.J. Perez if those were his sources. <laughs> How many of the players were kicked off? Kidding. He won't, he won't <laughs> reveal his sources, even if we asked.
1: Uh, Sean Payton obliterated Nathaniel Hackett's coaching job last year as the Denver Broncos head coach. That what lasted nine weeks, ten weeks. Uh, it was short and sweet. Now he's the offensive short, coordinator but memorable. the Jets. It
0: was a memorable short step.
1: Memorable for all the wrong reasons. Yes, right. Um,
0: they had to bring in a decision maker. <laughs> Remember, they had like, why well, if forget? Yeah, what have, was his? It was consultant. It wasn't consultant. It was a. Uh, it's like a head they coach brought, liaison.
1: Yeah, he was like the, the spotter slash uh, what you should do on certain downs. Like the, the
0: obvious, like, hey, you should punt here yeah. or go for this fourth and one. Yeah, they, or yeah. you have two timeouts left, coach. Yeah,
1: and there are other, other play, uh, teams. A lot of teams have that guy, but they had to do it after the fact.
0: And publicly.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was a former Baltimore Ravens guy, I think, that did mm. it. But in, in an interview with Jarrett Bell, longtime NFL writer for USA Today, he went, in, uh, he went into detail about the, the issues last year. was a five-win team in Denver. Russell Wilson got the big contract and the trade, and nothing went right for him. He did not look the same as he had the pre- previous uh, nine seasons in Seattle, ten seasons in Seattle. And here's Sean Payton, Chad, just reading the quotes here, discussing that with, with Jarrett Bell everybody's got a little stink on their hands. It's not just Russell. It was a poor offensive line. It might have been one of the worst coaching jobs in the history of the NFL. That's how bad it was. And he went into further detail. but It's like he said something about uh, Wilson didn't just flip, meaning he didn't go from being a good quarterback to an awful one. And he put it all on uh, Hackett and his coaching job. Quote, there's so much dirt around that. There's 20 hands for what was allowed, tolerated in the frickin' training rooms, the meeting rooms, the offense. I don't know, Hackett, a lot of people had dirt on their hands. It wasn't just Russell. He didn't just flip. He still has it. This BS that he hit a wall, shoot, they couldn't get a play in. They were 29th in the league in pre-snap penalties on both sides of the ball. And then... uh, ripped packet again further about not allowing Wilson's personal quarterback coach to be with him or have access to the building. Heard that before in Foxborough, um, with, uh, the trainer, uh, for, uh, TB 12 with, with Tom Brady, quote, that wasn't Wilson's fault. That was the parents who allowed it. It's not an incrimination on him, but an incrimination on the head coach, the GM, the president, everybody else who watched it all happen. Everything I heard about last season, we're doing the opposite. That was Sean Payton. Props.
0: Bravo. Bravo, Sean Payton. You are the antidote to the tired, stale NFL mantra of just completely saying words that mean nothing and never showing any personality. This is the breath of fresh air. I thought it was going to be Mike McDaniel. He's got a good personality, but he's not saying this. He's not going scorched earth and lighting just an entire organization, all leadership at every level, all the players, lighting them all ablaze. This is amazing. I applaud you. Thank you for the honesty. You said what we all knew, that Nathaniel Hackett got the most out of being a good ping pong partner of Aaron Rodgers than any coach in history because I don't know how anyone could be that bad in that short of amount of time. And I've watched that, and I think, how could anyone interview this person and believe that they are the man for the job? Great job fooling everyone, Nathaniel Hackett. Great job in those battles of ping pong with Aaron Rodgers to get his respect during that time. But man, oh man, was it a, dis- a disaster, his tenure there. And props to Sean Payton for saying it and not being afraid of how people are going to react to it and whose feelings are going to get hurt by it.
1: He, also, he just doesn't care. He's talking about the talent on his team that he's inherited. He says, I'm going to be pissed if this is not a playoff team. And um, he goes into detail about it doesn't happen often where NFL organizations get embarrassed. And that's what happened here. Part of it was their own fault relative to spending so much. Uh, oh, spending so much bleeping time trying to win the off season, The PR, the pomp and circumstance, marching people around and all this stuff. I mean, it's just, it goes on and on.
0: The, my favorite line was, everything they did before, we're doing the opposite. We're doing the opposite. We're going to do the everything exact opposite. Everything I've
1: heard opposite. they did, we're doing the opposite. I'm so,
0: asking people that knew, you know, what did you do in this situation? How did you handle this? And my response is always, we're going to do the exact opposite of that.
1: Nathaniel Hackett. Right now is definitely uh, among the names that come to mind for worst coaching job uh, for the length of how long he lasted as a first time head coach, but also just how inept the game management was. Well, he was not ready. Yeah, Urban Meyer is a
0: contemporary, is right there with
1: him. Urban Meyer, uh, I would say Bobby Petrino in Atlanta, Ken Wisenhunt with Tennessee definitely comes to mind.
0: Nathaniel Hackett had more talent, more expectations sure. than, than an Urban Meyer. I think Urban Meyer publicly probably had more wrong, but he didn't have the expectations that the Broncos had when they traded for Russell Wilson.
1: Yeah, uh, but he was going to be the savior that got them back with Trevor right. Lawrence. And, and they had a young roster. And then you see what Peterson did last year with that group, um, who he came in and just treated the players the opposite way, going back to what Sean Payton's saying he's doing. They said Payton's bringing more discipline and focus to that. So what, what happens with the Broncos this year? Again, we we know about the division. Beyond that, though, uh, I think this also is an – I mean, he's being blunt, but what it also does is it takes away any attention right now on Russell Wilson.
0: Well, and I think it's twofold. He's, he's a smart guy. I think it takes the attention off of Russell Wilson. It helps him out because he knows he's got to get some good things out of Russell Wilson if he's going to be a success. It also – puts the onus back on the players to change their mental state of who they should be and who they are. Because a year ago, this was seen as the Broncos are going for broke. They are going for a Super Bowl. They've got Russell Wilson now. They've got the young receiving options. They've got a good defense. They're going to go try to win a Super Bowl. And then disaster struck. So this is Sean Payton psychologically trying to return them to a year ago and what they thought when the Russell Wilson trade happened. Into a race last year, write it off on the idiot former head coach and everyone around him, and also say, You guys were disappointing. You guys were bad. I'm going to be pissed if we're not a playoff team because you are a playoff team. Psychologically, I think that has a huge bearing on a team when you say things publicly like this. And that's the message he's trying to get across. Uh,
1: psychologically, uh, whatever Deshaun Watson told the Browns, his Browns teammates behind the scenes, he says, uh, one over the locker room. And it was the story that he says the media isn't focusing on enough because last year they were uh, writing a narrative about everything off the field, uh, which included him settling out of court for uh, the, the uh, lawsuits involving uh, over 20 women and uh, assaulting them uh, during massages. Uh, but the quote he gave the, the Browns Media Corps recently, when I was a young kid, I didn't think of the NFL. I didn't know how I was going to make it out of high school, not having a father figure in my life ever in 27 years. i have probably seen him four times. Those are things that people don't really get to hear about, especially last year. It's been the media directing a narrative of something else. My upbringing has been kind of overshadowed that from Deshaun Watson, Chad. We got into this, uh, on Tuesday and. You had the great uh, point that was, I know John McClain, who covered Watson in Houston for years, agreed with. There's plenty of seasons with Deshaun Watson being a top five NFL quarterback for a bad football team where this wasn't uh, an issue for him. He wasn't complaining about this not being a narrative behind the scenes. And now because uh, the reporters doing their jobs Asking him questions and asking the Browns questions about why they signed him to a fully guaranteed deal that we haven't seen for the best quarterbacks in the league since, um, and, and based on what what happened off the field and why he didn't play and what why he had a 11 game suspension, uh, that's not a narrative. Those are facts as to what happened, and I mean, if, if you want to, the narrative would be uh, on his end trying to flip the conversation instead of just focusing on ball at this point he's back in the league Browns fans are going to pack the stadium they're going to be cheering for the Browns to win even with Watson as their QB why not just focus on football instead of trying to play the victim card on how things are uh, at least portrayed constantly because you haven't addressed those things enough publicly. In an honest manner, other than just saying, "Yeah, we're have an ongoing legal battle," or, you know, I I still don't feel like I've done anything wrong, but I've settled out of court. I there still maintain my innocence.
0: Were, there would have been nothing wrong with this if he didn't have that one line about mm-hmm. the media. The media forced a certain narrative, so the media was forced this narrative. Everything else he said is fine. If you wanted to say, sure. "Look, I came into a situation where I knew what everyone was talking about," I knew what the story was about me, and I just wanted to tell my teammates a different story. Hey, this is who I was growing up. These are the challenges I faced, and that connected me with my teammates. There would have been nothing wrong with that. There wouldn't have been a headline made. People would have shrugged and said, okay, great. You know, that's how you endeared yourself to your teammates. Fine. But when you say the, but the media wanted to force a certain narrative, it does make Deshaun Watson look like he's playing victim in all of this. And there are other victims in his story, And it's not him. And that you can't omit that part. And it just – we talked the last few days about a shocking lack of self-awareness with a lot of people and hypocrisy and how they view things and all of that. Those words from Deshaun Watson shows me a shocking lack of self-awareness. And we did talk about it with John McClain. Everyone covered Deshaun Watson as a great guy. For years and years, I've never read a bad word Clemson. about Deshaun Watson until this whole thing happened. Right. So, you want the puff pieces to start now? I, I don't know the media's forcing this, but what you need to be focused on is my upbringing. We need to get those pieces out there now. We need to get people talking about that and writing about that again and not focused on all of this. I mean, come on, man. Don't, don't play the victim here. If you just would have left out the part about the media narrative was one thing. I don't think there would have been anything wrong with anything he said about what he talked to his teammates about. Nothing.
1: Yeah, let your quarterback play, do the talking. Yep. And that, that will be what is reported on moving forward, uh, not the upbringing and the fact it's been overshadowed based on the coverage of the last year and a half. Chad, uh, you mentioned the how Packers fans must feel knowing Aaron Rodgers got the, he took the, the pay – uh, cut of thirty-five yeah. million dollars. He and played ball. He worked with his team. He worked with his team, and you're thinking, uh, th- this is the the Jets feel like they've got the real Aaron Rodgers. The Packers, well, they got the Aaron Rodgers that was like, pay me and give me more power and, and roster decision um, ideas, give me input, and they gave him that up to a point where they just weren't going to do this every off season, but. While Rodgers is doing this, and it looks great, it's a great PR move, it's great in the locker room, all of it. Uh, Also know the cerebral assassin that is Aaron Rodgers, because this was announced on Tuesday, or excuse me, Wednesday. On Tuesday, he called Jordan Love and said, hey, man, good luck, take over, be yourself. So that was the story in Green Bay on Tuesday, and then he does this for the good of the team on Wednesday that also sent a message a subtle jab but mind games brilliant, brilliant play. mind
0: games are being played and i love it Chad,
1: more headlines when we return and we discuss the kenny powers that lives the flama a blanco former power five football coach is that guy